Hola, hola! I am so excited for the second episode of the She Love Podcast. I'm here with my really good friend, uh, Vilmaris Gonzalez, who is a new master's candidate at Vanderbilt University. She is an inspiration, incredible public speaker, expert in the field of education and justice for our kids and, and really fighting in the South, especially in the state of Tennessee, to make sure that all children have access to an incredible quality education, uh, particularly focusing in the areas of low-income students, of immigrant students, refugee students, black and brown students. So I am so excited and energized by her being here with me today and for our listeners to learn from her journey. Just some sneak peeks. Vilmaris has been through a lot of transitions in the last year and is really learning a lot about herself. And I'm excited to learn along with you all uh, some of the lessons that are really resonating with her right now at this point in time. So Vilmaris, hola! A little bit about what's going on in your life and yeah, what you're, what you're excited about, what, you're, what you are spending your time on right now and what, what you're doing. Yeah. Um, so lots of change has definitely happened in the last year. Um, I recently started school at Vanderbilt University at Peabody College of Education and Human Development um, this past January, and it's the second week of February, just for context, so just a few weeks ago, about a month ago. Um, I'm in a really interesting program. Uh, it's titled Learning Diversity in Urban Studies. So all sorts of people are really in that program because it's very broad. It's exploring the intersection of educational equity and social mm -hmm. justice. So everybody um, is really, everybody has like a different focus area. Mm -hmm. So this, now that I've joined in January and I'm now in the second semester, I'm, I kind of came in an at an interesting point, um, but every class, a different classmate is teaching oh, no the way. class. That is such it's a very cool like Ferrarian approach. Uh, that the director has taken and I will say that it's been extremely enlightening and enriching mm -hmm. to look at different issues um, through different lens lenses right like different vantage points and hearing people's passion mm -hmm. come to that topic as it relates to education and social justice mm -hmm. and equity um, so it's just been really inspiring to be in that space of learning and forming part of a community um, and it's just been an interesting start to 2020. I, I kind of feel like I started off with the bang in the mm -hmm. sense of like new job, uh, you know, going back to school because I definitely didn't think that that was going to be a part mm -hmm. of this year and really a part of my journey anytime soon. So just at such a, I feel like pivotal point of transition, I feel like I've been taking a lot of pause. Mm -hmm. Life has kind of slowed down in a lot of mm -hmm. ways, although there's plenty of things to work on and do and read and deadlines. Um, I think not having to report to a physical space mm -hmm. and kind of analyzing spaces differently mm -hmm. and how I work in different environments yeah. has been really interesting yeah. uh, for me. So, yeah. yeah, awesome. Also, I want to shout out Vilmaris, who is a first-generation college student, and she has been a trailblazer since I've known her. I've been so inspired by you. Can you tell me a little bit about your journey being a person who has navigated a system that, to be quite honest, is really difficult to navigate even if you had parents who went to college in the U.S., Facts. right? What, what has that journey been like for you? What have you learned? And if there's someone out there who's listening who is trying to go to college as well but doesn't know how to navigate or it seems scary or daunting or there's imposter syndrome, yeah, what, what advice do you have to share? Yeah, um, so I think I'll start like sort of how it has been, I guess, just navigating the system, not going super, super far, I guess, into the past. But I will say that I feel like in my house, like education was sort of like top value. Like I feel like in so many ways, yes, my brother and I needed to take care. I have an older brother. Shout out to Federico. Um, and above all, though, like education was just so important for my parents. I think they viewed that sort of as this ticket to like the next class, so to speak, right? Like um, I come from a really hardworking family. My father is going to retire actually March 1st. Oh, awesome. I know after 35 years at wow. General Motors um, on the factory line. So I'm just so excited for him. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like my parents just like deserve rest, yeah. right? To just like enjoy the remaining of their life, um, truly. And 
I think in so many ways they always pushed us to mm-hmm. to excel and to be good in school and fortunate enough to to have a mother um, who was who was truly bilingual. So she was able to help me f- fill out the FAFSA and like take step one right mm-hmm. to get to school. Um, but and for those of you who don't know, because I didn't even know when I was in high school till the last minute, but FAFSA is FAFSA. FAFSA is yeah. the <laughs> financial aid. Form that you fill out for federal government scholarships. Um, So if you are eligible, it's a great resource. Um, So just putting it out there because not all students get that information, unfortunately. Yeah. And I know I also got FAFSA and got um, grants from the government to go to college, which was crucial for me. Um, So yeah, just wanted to throw that in there. But please continue. Yeah. Yeah, No. Thanks for that context. Uh, So luckily enough, like had like had a mother who. I feel like we held hands during that process, mm-hmm. right, of getting that all sorted. Um, and I got into the University of Tennessee in Knoxville. I come from also like a rural town. Um, I come from a town, not originally. I am Jersey-born. Always got to throw that out there. Jer- proud Jersey-born Boricua. <laughs> got to represent. Um, but really have spent my entire life and all the formative years uh, south of Nashville mm-hmm. in a small town called Columbia, Tennessee. And I went to a pretty rural high school and uh, I was the only girl and only two other boys in my graduating class of 225 got accepted and went to UT. Wow. So it was like this really big deal. And I remember just feeling so hyped up, mm-hmm. like I'm going to UT and thinking it would be this one thing. And then immediately getting there mm-hmm. and realizing perhaps I didn't bite more off than I could chew because I did graduate, mm-hmm. right? But my, the journey towards graduation definitely uh, was... Low bumpy. <laughs> bumpy, super curvy. Um, I think just confronting all sorts of things like from my identity, from my positionality, understanding that like I didn't have this fast network to tap into. I couldn't really call home and say, hey, mom, like, I, I don't know. I, I-, I signed up for astronomy because I really wanna- wanted to learn about astrology, but didn't really know, <laughs> didn't have guidance. And it's actually oh physics. Oh my gosh. And I think I'm going to oh, fail, no. mom. Like, right? Like having like, these conversations oh. and, or feeling like you need to have these conversations, yeah. but no one to really um, talk to about it. And, and I kind of found my community in school mm-hmm. with a bunch of other first gen kids. So I think we were each other's support system, mm-hmm. but we were also collectively lost mm-hmm. trying to figure out UT. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. What were you going to no, say? No, I was going to say I was laughing inside because I <laughs> wanted to sign up for astronomy girl (laughs) and if that experience is what it was like i'm glad so the class was full i applied to get in didn't get in which is crazy because i went to a teeny tiny school but it was full i couldn't get in and i'm so i was so upset but now i'm looking back like oh god thank god it's physics i was terrible (laughs) at physics and same thing i just liked the stars and wanted to do astrology yeah i was just like i want to learn about the constellations yeah how does that relate to astrology oh my gosh and then i we would have been good friends in college (laughs) and then i was just like what what is this class but i let so many weeks pass before i really realized we're like like, i don't need to be in this this class right um just one example of many um just yeah one Mm -hmm. example of many little hiccups and bumps and curves along the way um and just really, I, I, you know, even in undergrad, I don't think I even had, I don't, it's not even a matter of I don't think, I definitely did not have the language that I have now mm-hmm. to actually describe that experience. Mm-hmm. I don't even think I understood that I was a first generation college right. student while being a first generation right. college right. student. I just thought, all right, I'm going to college. Is everyone going like, through this? Yeah, yeah. Like, but then quickly also realizing, even though I didn't have that language, that that wasn't the reality of so many of my peers at that mm-hmm. institution, right? Yeah. There were so many legacy kids or kids that just knew about all these like hidden rules, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or hidden curriculums that exist at institutions. Yeah. Um, and me just being so oblivious and being mm-hmm. so intimidated to even engage with my professors. And the thing is that I came from essentially a failing rural high school. Mm-hmm. Rural is such a hard word to say. Failing rural, rural high school. <laughs> and um, I excelled, right? Like I wasn't top 10, but I was top 25 of my class. And I was super involved mm-hmm. and I was in different clubs and mm-hmm. presidents of that and da 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 da. Of course, not surprised. And, but like super eager. Like I yeah. was a super like school spirited kid in high school, yeah. I feel like. And just so optimistic and wanted to see the world. And um, just quickly realized when I got to UT, 
how I, I didn't know how, I feel like I didn't have community. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't thriving at the top. Yeah. I, I, I tried different things and wasn't getting selected, tried to be in student government because mm-hmm. I was in high school and that didn't work out. And then I became intimidated to raise my hand in class. Mm-hmm. I, all those things just started settling and creeping in mm-hmm. of like, I'm not smart enough. I don't deserve to be here. Yeah. Like, I just need to at least get a C, like, minimal, right? Like, yeah. minimum, I need to just pass. And um, did not always pass. Either <laughs> throwing that out there, did not always pass. And um, just even intimidated to go talk to my professors about what was what I was experiencing. Because yeah. I think, again, I didn't have the language. Yeah. Or I felt like, you know, I either, I think in one way, maybe assumed other people felt this, but we were just, like, fighting on or pushing through. Mm-hmm. Or... And then I think I also then landed on a point of like, it's just me. Like, mm. I'm just not smart enough yeah. or I'm just not like enough, right? Yeah. So I think that that was a big part of my undergrad mm. journey of trying to combat that, yeah. like fight through that. Um, and then I graduated. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'll say now, I guess just to skip like sort of, post-college, and that's not to go in the weeds of it all, but what's interesting is that I had to fill out the FAFSA, um, just like Sada was mentioning, which is like basically filing this form to the federal government to see what grants you're eligible mm-hmm. for or to see like what loans subsidized or unsubsidized you qualify for. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually took out more money than I needed. And I, I had so much anxiety just filling out the form just a couple months ago. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm a grown ass woman. I'm a grown ass adult. I'm, tw- you know. Yeah. And I, and we're asking 18 year olds. We're asking to, keep, yeah. Make and I'm still trying to altering decision. Absolutely. Like, of like how many what? thousands of dollars to take. Yeah. And it's insane. I'm still on my journey of like having full understanding of financial literacy. Oh. If I'm being me transparent, too. Oh my, my, my finances, full transparency are whew, a hot mess. Hot ass mess. And I realized <laughs> I got myself too far in. I mean, you're never too far in, right? But like, I'm having to dig myself back out because I didn't know what financial decisions I was making. No one told me, you know. Um, so yeah, that definitely resonates. So you talked a lot about fighting through. I've always known you to be a fighter. Um, and for context, Vilmaris and I were colleagues. We worked together at a nonprofit here in Nashville and we've been friends for about a year and a half now. I feel like we're sisters. I feel like we're definitely soul sisters, but I don't, I didn't know a lot of these things about your journey, your past. There's so many things I'm still learning about you as a friend and I would love to know because I met you on the other side, right? I met you as like, does have the language, very powerful, raises her hand, voices her opinions, leads the pack, super courageous, incredible public speaker. What happened? How did you end up here and what carried you along that difficult road? Um, What resources did you use? What did you learn about yourself? And getting to this place where onlookers like me who meet you for the first time just think, oh my God, this is a boss bitch. Like, I want to be friends with her. I want to learn from her. She inspires me. She's an incredible Latina. Like, I want to be in her circle. I, want, I, I need to, like, hang out with her. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think some of it started in undergrad, even though I made it painted the picture that it was all shit. And then I graduated. Mm-hmm. It wasn't all shit. Um, so because I come from... Um, you know, a working class family, right? And I have like, I feel like I grew up in this like rural town, right? Like I was mentioning. And I think I'm such a daydreamer, still am such a daydreamer, thinking about the future sometimes more than I'm living in the present. Mm -hmm. And um, I think I always knew like I wanted to escape. Like Mm -hmm. I dreamed about living in New York City. God, we are so Living (laughs) abroad. Like I just felt like, I was trapped in this small town for yes. majority of my life and like I didn't belong here. I was different. I was meant to live a different life mm-hmm. than so many people. I was just like and it's not to say that people living also back in my hometown like aren't living their life mm-hmm. with purpose. Or happy. Yeah, yeah, like totally wanting to say that, like, but I I was different, right? Leave, like yeah. like I wanted to lead a different life. Yeah. Um always felt that probably like from the age of 10 I would say Mm -hmm. like I wanted to be a fashion designer at age 10 that's why you Um, dress so cute (laughs) thank you fashion has always been a passion just so corny because it rhymes um but yeah I 
the first two years of college were honestly like the worst and toughest. Um, but back when I was in high school, my English teacher organized this trip to Greece to like Greece and it was like with EF tours. I don't know if you're familiar with no, EF tours. That sounds amazing. They like put together these trips, uh, with schools to take students abroad. And there was that trip and then like some trip to London and of course, me being like this daydreaming kid, like back in I'm going. Kelsey, like, I'm gonna go. Like, yes. I'm gonna ask mommy and papi. Like, mommy and papi are gonna let me go. Like, I'm gonna put together this like five point plan as Amazing. to like why they why need to let go. go. Yes. Immediately got shot down, oh, right? Yeah. Of just like, we can't afford that. Mm-hmm. Maddie's like, you don't even have a passport. Like, we, we don't own passports either mm-hmm. like that. It's like, it's not feasible, right? right? And then I remember even being like, I'm going to get a part-time job. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to pay for this. And mommy and papi were just like, no. And I'll, I'll never forget this because I, I held him to his word. He would say, he told me like, when you get to college, um, when you get to college, Uh-oh. let's have a conversation about you doing something like that. And you held on to that. So I just remember like first two years like being like, this is shit, this is shit. I just have to wait till college. I just have to wait till college. But obviously like there's a a point in college that uh, studying abroad makes more sense. And I also want to acknowledge like the privilege that I A, have Mm -hmm. to travel outside of the United States, which I feel like I am extremely aware of. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like since I have that privilege, as long as I'm here and able, I do want to exercise Mm -hmm. that right. Because I... Traveling is just a huge passion. It's not something I always get to do, but it's always mm-hmm. something I'm like fantasizing yeah. about, right? Of all the places and the people that are out there with stories that I, I want to meet and experience. And I held my poppy to that, right? Of of it was like towards the end of sophomore year. I bet he had year. forgotten already. He oh, was absolutely. like, what are you talking about? And you're like, here on February 16th, 2007, <laughs> you told me. <laughs> no, but in college. You're like, well, bye. And I'm guess here. what? Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I started doing research because it was kind of towards the end of my sophomore year. I unfortunately came out like out of an extremely, extremely abusive relationship Mm. that like stemmed from high school through the first two years of college, which I also think has a lot to do with my journey overall Mm. of feeling just like taking back sort of a piece of me and my life, my story. Again, I don't think I had the language maybe to describe that, but like now as an adult in reflection. So it was towards the end of my sophomore year, I was out of that, and I was just so determined of, like, I have two more years, really two and a half, because I did mm-hmm. two and a half years. Um, how am I going to get my grades up? How am I going to immerse myself more into this campus? Yeah. However, I can find my way to, like, fit in, however that makes mm-hmm. sense to me. Um, and how am I going to make this dream of, like, seeing another country come true? Because mm-hmm. I just, I wanted to go somewhere. So I started doing research, um, but actually realized I didn't meet I didn't meet any of the GPA requirements. Oh no, none of them. So what did you do? So the minimum was two point five, mm-hmm. and my GPA was two point zero three. Wow. And I want to say two point zero three. Is that too low or two point three? I know it was a two and a three, something in there, and mm-hmm. it was low and it was above or b- below that like the like the requirement mm-hmm. for all programs across the board. Yeah. Um, so I, I made an appointment with the advisor at my school and I was just like, this has been my dream. I'm turning a new page in my life. Yeah. I need this for my educational journey. I need this Hell yeah. for me. Do you have any advice how I can make this happen even though I don't meet the requirements? And um, the study abroad advisor was like, I think you could write a letter to Hell like yeah. the top three programs you want to try to get into and just give a personal statement as to why, like why is your GPA the way it is and why this matters and why Mm -hmm. this can be impactful in your journey. Um, So I did that. That's incredible. um, I think maybe that's kind of like where some of that fight kind of restarted or like regenerated. Mm -hmm. I feel like I was a fighter in high school. Like I even spoke at a school board meeting in high school about how I was against dress code and how the county like shouldn't (laughs) implement it because it was hindering on our like, like, um, our liberty of expression. Da, da, da. So I feel like I've always had a little bit of a mm-hmm. fighter in mm-hmm. me. Um, but I definitely like that light was somewhat mm-hmm. diminished. But I think that was sort of where that, like, how do I take control back yes. in some way? Um, and so I wrote a letter and started emailing back and forth. I'll forget. I never forget her name. Her name was Emily Buss. She worked um, with a study abroad company and, her and I just started emailing back and forth. I started turning in other things mm-hmm. for my application. 
And the day that I got in, which was the day of my cousin's wedding to Veronica, I'll never forget, we're all getting ready for her wedding. And I got a call and it said Texas and that's where their office was. Uh-huh. And it was, she was calling to personally say like, hey, I'm going to send you an email, but I feel like. I've never had a student like want this so bad. So I want, I wanted to call you and just let you know that you got in and you're going to go to Sevilla next semester, uh, Sevilla, Spain. And we're so excited for you to be part of this program. Um, Started bawling like a baby. That's so incredible. Um, I know it's like long winded and like very specific, but I think for me, like that has been one of the ways that I feel like I've been able to connect with people. I feel like it was like the moment that, and it's so cliche, but it was just so true for me. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's just the truth, like studying abroad. And again, I know acknowledging that privilege, but having that privilege and having the ability to go transformed and impacted and shaped it, shaped my life. Yeah. Um, forever. And I feel like I still look back on that time of like, that was the most I ever felt alive. But I think more than that, it was a moment to figure out Vilmaris. Like, I think as much as I loved my community of first-gen friends back at school, I think I almost felt like I was getting, maybe not pigeonholed, but just kind of stuck in this routine and norm. And it was a moment for me to figure out, like, what are the other things I'm passionate about? Like, what excites me? Um, What kind of people do I want to build relationships Mm -hmm. with? How do I look at myself, right, in this new light of, like, Because I feel like in the U.S., I'm like so proud to be Puerto Rican, right? But then the second you're out of this context Mm -hmm. of the U.S., you're automatically American. Mm -hmm. And it's like confronting my Americanness, right? Right. Like all these different identities and parts of myself. um, I felt like it was just such a moment for me. Yeah. Um, And then I think I just became hungry to want to have more experiences Mm -hmm. like that. So... When I got back from studying abroad, I immediately started looking up, well, how do you, how does one intern abroad? Mm -hmm. Do people intern abroad? Can you intern abroad and not pay to intern abroad? Like, how does someone give me money to intern abroad? Yeah, that's so real. Or how do I pay for my flight, but they pay for everything? I I just started doing all this (laughs) research of like, how do I leave again? Mm -hmm. Um, And then 2014, the following summer, um... I, I got this placement to do an internship in Romania, in Galatz, Romania, which is this like little village, this little city. Um, it's like 24 kilometers uh, from the border of Ukraine mm-hmm. and 10 kilometers from the border of Moldova. And just this like random Incredible. small little city um, that really hadn't been touched, I would say, since like the fall of the communist bloc, too. Wow. So just very interesting I was one of 11 international college Mm -hmm. students that got placed and we all lived for the first part of the summer in the same apartment it was crazy I was the American Mm -hmm. person from the US Uh, oh so y'all weren't even all from the same I was the the, oh so it was 11 people from different different countries countries. wow so yeah there was someone from Brazil um, someone from Egypt who I went to my friend Nada's wedding this past summer in Egypt I met her because we were roommates Um, someone from Hong Kong, China, Australia, Italy, Pakistan, India, Singapore, um, Czech Republic. Um, I don't know if I said Italy, but from several countries Mm -hmm. and we were all lived like we, the joke amongst us was like, we're the United Nations of Galatz, uh, (laughs) because all of our conversations were so rich, Mm -hmm. like just so incredibly rich because we all had different lived experiences Mm -hmm. and came from such distinct places um and i'll never forget either that one of um it was my friend sid and he's from india and i was one of the first people to arrive for to the internship he had already been there but i was the second and he was telling the internship coordinator like i'm so nervous to meet this american girl i'm so nervous this they all thought and i later would was told like so many of them thought like i was gonna get there and be um, terrible <laughs> be terrible it's honestly yeah that, like I was gonna get there and be that American person that was always right and wow. correcting their English and um I think again just kind of reminding like okay like within the U.S. like I'm like maybe here within the structure but mm-hmm. then internationally then the immense privilege or like right. perception right that people have of like you and your country um so I think that instilled a lot of perspective mm-hmm. in me 
which then I think drove my desire to want to leave again once I actually graduated school, um, which is where I pursued work outside of the U.S. I, I, w- I was trying to like go to New York and like I was applying everywhere because again, I was like, I just need to get out of Tennessee. Like I need to get out of Tennessee. Um, and like, I just wasn't landing anything. Um, and it was rough too. So any listener out there who graduates and feels like they don't have a plan, Mm. just know it took me four months to like land even just like an option. And then like five months to actually get that job after college, um, which is so real. Um, but then, yeah, I landed a job in the Dominican Republic working for Global Glimpse. So I don't know, like, I, I feel like I'm answering your question and not as far as that fighter piece, but I think I've always just been so genuinely curious mm-hmm. about other places and about other people. Um, and I think people's stories energize yeah. me. They provide that perspective and they make me want to not just fight for, like, my rights or things that I feel like I'm deserving of or human rights that, like, I should be deserving of, but all people, yeah. all different struggles. Um and what people are facing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like that maybe is like, has instilled a sense of yeah. fighter in me. I love that. And I, I know you identified as a fighter from the time you were born. And I think that many people do have that quality and all of us have so many different gifts. I would also say though, I really believe, and I don't know if you believe this as well. I believe that there's a spirit inside of everybody that has that fight it may look different. It may present itself differently. But I think that that fight is honestly what allows some of us to really just take risks and go go for what we're told is not for us. And that's how we disrupt structures. That's how we disrupt systems. I think that that's in many ways how we find happiness because I don't think that structures are always set up for us to be happy and to succeed and have the things that we want. And I was listening to this really great podcast recently and the author, I didn't know who he was, but apparently he's like this really big, I don't know, self-help guy. He also does all this coaching for like Apple and all these different corporations. And anyway, he also came from a low-income family And he ended up becoming, I think, a millionaire by the time he was 25. It was just like an insane come up story. But what he said was he had a hunger and a drive to interview all of these famous people like Bill Gates, Lady Gaga, and track them down and ask them like, what was your, what basically what advice do you have for how you got here? And what does it take to get to where you are? So he spent three years tracking down Lady Gaga. He spent like five years tracking down Bill Gates. But anyway, it was. And he ended up interviewing them and he published this book. It's called The Third Door, I believe. But what he said was, what I took away from that is he said, most people think that there are two entrances to like a nightclub. And they think that the first entrance is just, you know, the line that you wait in for an hour, maybe more than that, only to get there and they say, you can't come in. Or... You're a VIP celebrity and you just have to be famous. And what he said was that there's a third door. There is a door where staff go through, right? There's always a third door. You just may not see it. You may not seek it out. And he said, I seek it out. I seek out whatever way I can get somewhere to do what I know I need and want to do. And what I love about hearing your story is it feels like you found the third door. You know, you didn't look at the requirements and say, well, I can't do it. My dream is squashed. You said, this is still my dream and I'm going to figure out how to get there. I'm going to find my third door, which I think is so cool. And I think that anyone is capable of doing that. I just think that they have to really believe that they have, that they are deserving of something, even if the world tells them that they're not. And so thank you for sharing with me. I feel so inspired and energized right now. Um, by your story and I think yeah and I think we find so much strength in storytelling which is really why I started this podcast it really is strength through storytelling especially for women um real quick I would love to know what for people who maybe are in college and listening to this um what were the names of the programs that you went through um and how can people get connected to them and have a follow-up question for sure um so the study abroad program I did was International Studies Abroad, ISA. Um, so it's a private company because I, unfortunately, as much as I wanted to explore like 
some of the government related like government specific programs mm-hmm. that do direct exchanges those do kind of have tougher requirements okay. right unfortunately um so those were kind of like i just had to accept like all right those are just aren't for me yeah but some of these private companies that really just want your money yeah um are going to be a little more flexible yeah. right if yeah. you can like finesse um so that was my program i will say it's definitely not it's definitely not cheap. I took out a private loan actually mm-hmm. to study abroad. My parents thought I was nuts. I had to like beg my mother to sign, um, to be like a co-signer on this loan. Cause I was like, ma, like I promise we're going to, I'll pay every cent of it back. Um, and yeah, so I just kind of was just like, you know what? I'm going to take this $10,000 from this private loan and go study abroad. Uh, so Definitely, there's obviously like so many things to weigh in making that decision. But for me, as as much as I feel like I struggle with financial literacy, um, I'm not too afraid of debt. And I'm in a lot of debt. But I feel like debt allows you when you don't have sort of social capital or like sort of this like wealth to sit on. Mm-hmm. We get experiences uh, by kind of taking maybe I guess those are risks mm-hmm. I don't know yeah no definitely um, definitely a but financial I feel risk. <laughs> but I yeah but I feel like I've definitely made some risks in that area of just being like I'm gonna figure it out one day mm-hmm. I'm sure I will yeah I'll pay it off um so international studies abroad though for any college folks mm-hmm. out there listening um and then the other program was ISIC um how do you spell that A I E S E-C, Isaac, A-I-E-S-E-C, I'm sorry. It's Isaac, <laughs> though. Um, and it's a student-ran, like, global nonprofit. And it's so actually cool. not super big in the United States. The headquarters, I want to say, is in Rotterdam, Netherlands. But it's really big in other countries. Okay. Um, and essentially, they didn't pay for my flight. So I needed to cover my flight Mm -hmm. and then spending money. But they placed me in a dorm um, and provided two meals a day. Awesome. So free housing. So free housing and free food. That's amazing. Um, Still had to buy some food. But um, because I found out in the fall Mm -hmm. prior to that summer that I was going to go, I worked throughout college too. Mm -hmm. I had two part-time jobs at that point. On the weekend, I was working at a restaurant. And during the week, I was working with Knox County Schools in an after-school program right after class. So just trying to, like, hustle and, like, put something away each yeah. week, knowing that, like, it was going to suck maybe for the semester, yeah. but really pay off uh, when I got there. So um, I love that you are such a fighter and have learned so much from your story today. I also feel like you're someone who leads with her intuition, And you really try to dim down some of the noise and listen to what your soul is either crying out for or what the next move is for you. How do you do that? What practices do you have that help you turn down some of the noise or at least amp up the volume of that voice inside you that just tells you to go for it, that tells you to take the risk, that tells you things are going to be okay? How do you connect with that? Because I think that is something I've struggled with. And I think just due to the nature of the way the world is set up, I think it's something a lot of people struggle with. There's so much noise. So much noise. Um, and I feel like I don't know. I feel like I I know, but at the same time, I don't even know the full response to that question. Because I think I still today as like a 27, almost 28-year-old and totally still struggling with imposter syndrome mm-hmm. and self-doubt. But something that I feel... I guess more immediately in the last year, um, at my place of employment, a lot of change was happening Mm -hmm. and a lot of shifts were happening. And I found myself to really get caught up actually in the noise and in the hype. Mm. Um, That's kind of the the term I coined it as like getting caught up in the hype. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think I was caught up in the hype for honestly a good three months. In a big way, community, right? Mm -hmm. Friends. Uh, mentors, if you are able, if you have one or been able to connect with someone to do that, mm-hmm. really helped me. I'm, I feed off of other people's energy and assurance. I, I do struggle with a lot of self-doubt. I feel like before sometimes, I, it's something I'm actually really wanting to work on is my 
ability to be more decisive Mm -hmm. because I struggle and I'm, I can be so indecisive. Mm -hmm. Um, and for like one thing, I'll be like, let me ask five different people Mm -hmm. what the best choice is, even though I already know the answer. Mm -hmm. And sometimes those five people will tell me the same shit. I was already thinking for myself, but, uh, so definitely like, honestly, like working through that. But I also think in sort of some of that indecisiveness, allows me to lean on my community, hopefully not too much. Um, hopefully where I don't overburden them with big questions or too small of questions or silly questions. But, um, and I think as far as like the hype goes, right, of figuring out like how do I put that aside to focus mm-hmm. on what does Vinmatis need? What does yeah. Vinmatis want? And how do I navigate that, right? Because at the end of the day, unfortunately, especially with how the system is set up mm-hmm. and as long as we're like, functioning in this capitalist society um majority of folks are besides like i guess like the greater mission of the work at the end of the day are worried about number one yeah and number one is themselves so i started kind of asking myself like i'm getting so caught up in the hype and crying and Mm -hmm. becoming so emotionally invested in a lot of issues or problems or systems that i can't change but what Mm -hmm. i can change is how i'm feeling yeah what i can change is what do I want to do? Yeah. Asking myself, like, what is it that I want to wake up and do every day? It doesn't have to be every day forever, for forever, but in the, in the near immediate future. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually started applying to jobs last year. And I, I, I was really private about it. Only a couple of people, not the whole five, mm-hmm. right, knew about it. Um, and it was back in, in April. And I just started, like, I redid my resume. And I was just like, am I employable? Like, I, I kind of landed on, a, on a, a point of, like, am I employable? That is so right? crazy. I, I, I so want to know real, if I'm employable. <laughs> but you're so talented, qualified. I keep hearing that theme. You know, even with myself, to be really vulnerable, I literally had a conversation last weekend with one of my sister's friends who is getting her master's degree at Harvard, and she <laughs> is worried about being hireable when she graduates. I don't know if this is something that women are experiencing, that women and, you know, other people who are trying to identify as women are experiencing, but it is so prevalent. That self-doubt is so real. I honestly think it's an epidemic. I think that the system's rigged and it thrives off of us being (laughs) self-conscious because that's insane. But yeah, yeah, I mean, continue. But yeah, I just wanted to name that, that I think anyone who is listening to this and is feeling self-doubt it is honestly a cultural epidemic and so many people, it doesn't matter if you go to Harvard or Yale or wherever you go, but like people are experiencing this everywhere and it is an issue that we need to deal with seriously. And I think we have to start with ourselves, but I also think that we have to share with each other, A, like let's name this, this is happening all over the place and B, how do we shift this? How do we change mindset? How do we really start loving ourselves, being confident in ourselves, exploring ourselves to know that we have been taught and self-doubt and self-consciousness have been manufactured and pushed upon this us from the time we like entered this world. And that is not okay. And we need to undo it. Facts. And that is how capitalism thrives. Totally. What do you do when <laughs> you're sad? You eat, eat. You go shopping. <laughs> you watch Netflix. You consume. Absolutely. And this big machine is, it literally is driven off of us consuming things. Like that is what feeds this machine, right? So we, I mean, it, it, it is what it is. It's what we have. But we got to figure out how to beat it. We got to figure out how what's to. What's that third door, right? Yeah, or what's even, the third even to the door? System, to all these or, systems. yeah, how do I like take or, advantage of or it? Or create the new door. I don't know. Totally. Yeah. Totally. But we got to share it. We have to spread the message because it's I so agree. true. I agree. It's so true. So how do you, I, I really want to just um, kind of dive into the topic of failure. And I think part, connected to what we just said, part of being right with yourself, part of the journey to self-love, which I think is our ultimate superpower. I think that it's having a tight relationship with failure and being okay with it. So if it's okay with you, would you mind sharing a little bit about your journey to Vanderbilt University and your master's program and what failure, what place failure played for you in that journey? Yeah, absolutely. Um, absolutely. Not try to share it because I think it is, it's definitely a part of, of my story. And I think it's, 
I hope whoever listens to this or just whenever I get to share this feels inspired to try again. Um, and to also know that it's okay to take time to try again, but that you should try again mm-hmm. if that's what you want. Mm-hmm. Um, so back in 2018, um, I was introduced to Dr. Da Silva, Chris. She goes by, her name is Ana Cristina Dr. Or De Silva, um, but she goes by Chris and she's the program director of the Learning Diversity and Urban Studies program. And one of my childhood best friends, Stephanie Baeza, shout out to Stephanie if you're listening, um, we grew up together in Columbia, Tennessee, and she went to Vandy for undergrad, um, and then she came back uh, and did her master's in that program. So I had had context for what that program was like years before even thinking I would go to Vanderbilt mm-hmm. um, and hearing about her story of like getting her master's. Um, moved to Nashville, had colegas, uh, colleagues at, Conex, or at the organization I was working at that um, went through the program as well. So I just, I felt like this program just kept coming up in my life. And then I kept hearing so many amazing things about Chris and um, feeling like I need to meet this person. I want to meet, I want to meet her. And finally went to this uh, documentary viewing at Vandy one evening. It was the spring of 2018, like late spring. And I introduced myself and I was flattered because she was like, oh, I've heard so much about you. I've been wanting to meet you. Um, And we just like immediately hit it off. And she was like, let's get together for coffee. Um, And also at the time, which I think was just really beautiful and inspiring, I was um, organizing, not the lead organizer, but alongside 11 people organizing a solidarity brigade, a Southern solidarity brigade to Puerto Rico. This was like in the aftermath of Hurricane Maria. And after just that one conversation, Chris donated money. Like I was already like, man, like this person is like about her word. Mm -hmm. Like she's in the business of just doing the work of doing the work. Yeah. Yeah, Doing the work. Um, Cause I saw that on the You Caring page and I was like, I just met this woman. That's amazing. Right? Um, and she was like, when you get back, let's meet. So when I got back, um, we met and she was like, I really want you to apply. And I was like, okay, great. Like, let me figure out what are, what's like this checklist. Cause I was thinking, all right, I'm going to start fall 2019. Mm-hmm. Surely I'm not going to apply right now in like April or May. It was sometime in that period for, for July or mm-hmm. August of, of this year. And she was like, no, no, no. Like, I want you in this cohort. Um, I want you to go ahead and apply. She was like, get a personal statement to uh, to me um, or for the application and get your letters of rec. Like, I have some scholarship money for you. Like, I want you to apply. Mm -hmm. So I will be so honest, y'all. I was thinking, like, she's recruiting me. I'm in. I'm in. Yeah. Like, I got this. I ha- And then I had the option of, like, take the GRE, mm-hmm. which is, like, a standardized version um, of, like, the ACT or mm-hmm. SAT, but for graduate school. Or I could take the MAT, which is the Miller's Analogies Test, um, which is basically 120 questions of analogies. Okay. So I decided to do the MAT because I didn't want to study math yeah. for the GRE. Oh, that's so real. <laughs> I didn't want to study math or science. So I was like, let me take the MAT. Um and after like doing some research of like what's sort of like the baseline score I needed to make, mm-hmm. um, most people get above a 400 to get into Vandy, um, or that's kind of like the standard score. Mm-hmm. Um, and they give you the score right at the end of the test. So I got a 377. Mm-hmm. So immediately I was like, hmm, shit. Yeah. Am I going to get in? Like, you know, this is like a ranked education school mm-hmm. and it's Vanderbilt. Like, they care about these things because right. that's how they right. get ranked. Right. Um, but I reached out to Chris and she was super like optimistic of like, mm-hmm. no, like let's get everything else in. So again, y'all, I was really thinking like, I'm in, I'm it's in, good. I got this. It's good. I'm um, an ally. She's going to rep me and all these conversations yeah. and admissions. And, um, I did not get in. Mm. <laughs> like I did Damn. not get in. And I found out while I was at work, and immediately went to the bathroom. I cried a lot in those bathroom stalls (laughs) throughout the years. Um, And was just like, like thinking like, what the fuck? Like Mm -hmm. I wasn't even thinking about school Mm -hmm. earlier. And then, you know, I'll be so honest because I think sometimes when we do fail or when things don't work out, it's so easy to just like point fingers or be like, you know what? Like she set me up to fail because I was thinking about applying in in 2019. Like this was crazy. This was all como a lo loco, like not organized, not well thought out. Like I like I I was enraged. I was embarrassed. I was hurt. Um, 
And in her email, she was super sweet and was just like, let's figure out if we can appeal this Mm -hmm. in January or before January Mm -hmm. um, so you can join the cohort in January. And I'll just be so honest. My pride definitely got to me during that moment in my life of just like, like, I don't want to go there. Like, you know, like they suck. They suck. (laughs) I got so bitter. Yeah. I was just like, I'm just going to pour myself into work. I'm not going to worry about grad school. Vanderbilt's not for me. I don't even think grad school's for me. Like, I I wasn't even trying to go to grad school until I met this woman, like, Mm -hmm. three months ago. Like, this is just not for me. Like, I'll be so honest. I, like, wrote it off. Yeah. um, And thought, and if I do it, it'll be somewhere else later down the road. Um, And I think it's, in so many ways, it was just, like, the universe, like, aligning things the way they... Conspiring in your favor. Yes. Yes. Because in that same year, um, I was lucky enough, along with my colleague, Leslie Lemos, to launch Generation Lead, which was a program for first-generation college students Mm -hmm. of color in the Nashville area. And we were tasked to put the curriculum together and pilot this Mm 10-month program. And I think in so many ways, I did not get in. So you could do that program. So I could do that program and give my all to that program and pour myself into those students, into what we were trying to achieve, into building community. And y'all did amazing I that's like one of the most it's one of the most it's the proudest thing I've done yeah. so far in my professional yeah. career I'll be so honest it was just one year of work mm-hmm. um and so I think in so many ways it was just the universe saying yeah. like not now baby girl yeah. like just just wait like and, and with time your bitterness is gonna like you're gonna get over yourself mm-hmm. right like mm-hmm. you're gonna get over yourself um so again after the program wrapped and I was sort of at this transitional moment of like I know I want to leave I know I got to look for another job. Like, I was just, like, ready for, like, what was next yeah. for me. Um, and it was actually at our fundraiser back in October of 2019. I ran in to Chris, the director, um, like, on the dance floor. Ran into her. I was like, oh, my God, you're here. Again, and universe was, conspiring in your favor. Yeah. Y'all, and, and we, look for the signs. Look for them because they are there. <laughs> yes. And we, we danced some salsa together. And then we got off the dance floor. Um, and she was just, like... I still want you in this mm-hmm. program. She was like, I know you stopped talking to me, but like she like called, <laughs> she called, it out. She out. called me out because I literally was just like, nah, like I'm yeah. not, that's not, it's just not for me. Yeah. Um, and she was just like, you know, you stopped talking to me, but, and, and I know I quit following up, but I still want you in the mm-hmm. program and there's still a spot that's for powerful. you. And I still can put together some scholarship money for you. If you get in that and want to powerful come. to have someone that believes in you that much. That is powerful. And honestly, just a testament to you and how much you inspire people and people need you in spaces. Like, yes, you are going to benefit from your master's degree, but Vanderbilt definitely benefits from your presence in those classes. So that's so cool to have somebody that's out there hustling for you, you know? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, And I think even still, I'm like, why? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I'm still trying to work through, like, Man, like she really, like she has really, you know, like she wrote. Oh, for I thought me, you meant right? why are you in grad school? Not like why did she hustle like, for you? I, I still feel like obvious. Why. Okay, obvious to me at least. Um, but so it was like so at the Latin party, or it was at the at the fundraiser, and she was just like, "Let's get coffee this week. Let's talk about it." So we went and got coffee, and what I appreciated from our conversation was just how raw, real, and funky she kept it. Mm-hmm. Before she was even like trying to like resell her the program, resell Vanderbilt, she said, Vilmaris, Latina to Latina. Um, she was like, you, I see the work you're doing, mm-hmm. and I see how passionate you are about the work that you do and how proud of the work, of how proud you are of the work that you get to do. Mm-hmm. She was like, but as a Latina... She was like, you are going to hit a ceiling in your career if you haven't already. Mm. She was like, unfortunately, in these spaces of education and as we want to work our way up, our credentials matter. Mm. She's like, not in all fields, but I really feel like for the work that you want to be doing, Mm -hmm. the next credential matters. Mm -hmm. So you need to figure out how you're going to get the comma M something after your name. And I want to help you figure that out. So she was like, so whether you do decide that's Vanderbilt Mm -hmm. or you decide that's another institution, I'm here to encourage you to go after it and to just find the right time because Mm -hmm. there there will never be a right time. You'll never feel like there's the right time. Yeah. You just have to figure out and find it and say, you're going to go for it. it. Yeah. Um, 
Which I just appreciated that she immediately wasn't like trying to resell right. this program. Or even just her university. Just kind of like you. As an individual. As a human I'm, I, that I'm I care invested, about. I'm invested like yeah. in your success in some way. Even yeah. though I barely know you. Just as a Latina, I want to see you successful. I want to see you thrive. And I want to see you breaking ceilings. Awesome. Right? Um, and then... But then she was like, so you should apply. And also, so, Vanderbilt still has a program. She, and she was like, and I know starting in January seems odd, but, you know, she's like, Vidmati, so if you can get 10 points higher on the mat exam, um, and, and you this time around submit a body of work, work samples, mm. to prove beyond, because also, y'all, I did not graduate with a 3.0 from undergrad. Mm. So anyone who's listening to who thinks if you didn't graduate with 3.0, you can't go back to school or you can't do certain things, bullshit. Yes, you can, because um, I did believe and in, in buy into that for a long time, thinking mm-hmm. grad school would never be attainable because I didn't graduate with a 3.0 and mm-hmm. I graduated below that. Um, but she was just like, because your GPA from undergrad was here um, and because you know you feel like you're not the best test taker, strive to at least get 10 points higher, Yeah. but let's submit a portfolio of work. That's amazing. So I put together some of the best sort of pieces or things that I had worked on um, into this portfolio and submitted that. And also, y'all scored exactly 10 no points. No way! I was, yes. stri- I was striving for 12 or at least 11. That's I was like, I was like, crazy. let me get higher than this oh like benchmark. Gosh. No, but that's, no, that's all. Hey, you that's did all what you I needed. needed to do. That's amazing. Um, wow. So life just, I feel like, has such an interesting way of yeah. allowing you to have experiences or be offered something, but in the right time. Because starting school right now for me has been the right time yeah. starting in january like tr- it really is true when they say trust the journey trust the process trust the failure because mm. i was bitter i yeah. was so bitter yeah. so hung up but let it go mm-hmm. and then i feel like it, it because i let it go and then had all these other experiences there was like this new window for the opportunity to kind of come back in right yeah. and be like you're ready now if you want this yeah it's kind of what it felt like and i f- and 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 while I was applying, I was a little more private about the process. Didn't really tell people. Mm-hmm. I was like, let me... Because that was the other thing, too. I, I was thinking I was going to get in. So I was like, mm-hmm. I think I'm going to Vanderbilt in the fall. The first time I applied. So it was just like embarrassing, mm-hmm. painful. Like all all the emotions, all the things. And I think this time around, I kind of just approached it of like, let's see if this is for me mm-hmm. now. Um, but I'll say that I felt I felt differently about it. Because yeah. it just... It, something about the timing just felt felt right yeah so that's amazing yeah. uh and also i mean let's not gloss over the fact that vanderbilt is one of the highest ranked universities in the nation so kudos to you because those requirements are meant to keep people out and you push yourself right in girl like i feel <laughs> like you do in all different spaces in life so um thank you for sharing that and be really vulnerable with us because i hope people listen and hear that there's always an outlier there's always someone breaking the rules. There's always someone paving their own path. There's always someone who keeps going and keeps trying. Honestly, I think the more, the older that I get, the more that I read about people I admire, because I'm on my own journey of what do I want? How do I show up as my best self for myself, but also for my community? And what I've realized in that process is that people that I admire, people who are really doing the work, people who are leading these happy and successful lives um, are people who fail all the time. And what separates them from, I feel like, people who are not living the life that they want to live is that when people who are living those lives fail, they come back again and they come back again and they come back again and they persist and they figure it out and they learn from their failures and they really don't give up i wish don't give up was changed to keep on failing forward like keep failing you got that like never give up is so vague like what does that even mean like i don't even know because maybe some things you should give up i don't know i don't even know what that means like yeah like but if you were like keep failing you got this like keep failing forward i like that it's gonna happen for you just keep going find the different route and of course there are things we have to let go of and i do want to say when we talk about timing it made me think about something that i've been thinking about a lot lately trust the journey and trust the process but also cultivate 
a really healthy relationship with yourself because I don't think that the process unfolds in the way that it that it really can and like in its full potential if we are not cultivating a relationship with ourselves if we are not listening to those voices within us we will miss the signs i am a true believer that there are messages there are signs there are symbols all around us and we have got to be open and ready to receive them and also we can receive them in different ways like you can receive not going to vanderbilt the first go around as the worst day ever of your life and maybe you would have never applied again but you received it differently right like these things are happening around us all the time and we have to choose the mindset and the lens through which we are looking at it and so i love that you shared that and i think that as we move forward like as i continue reaching out to people for their stories for this podcast and again appreciate you so much sharing your story with me um and our listeners is that we really need to grasp and like take failure by its horns or whatever that expression is. I mess them up all the time. Um, but really take it back, like take back what it means to fail and like take back what it means to love ourselves and take back what it means to be confident and to keep going. And so I'm really excited to explore that question with our listeners, but it doesn't mean that it's easy. It's really hard. It takes us to really dark and vulnerable places. And so I wanna end the conversation with what are you doing right now to cultivate that loving relationship with yourself? What, is it meditation? Is it yoga? Is it journaling? Is it affirmations in the morning? Is it just doing your laundry on a weekly basis and like doing the things around the house that you know you need to get done? Like, what are, what are practices that you have to really make sure you are loving yourself and you're taking care of yourself? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, or what do you want to do if you feel like you're not there yet? Like, what yeah. do you want to explore? So I think something I'm currently doing, but there's also Ooh, something I want to... <laughs> <laughs> Put my hoop back in. Uh, something I want to explore more. Um, but I think something that I've prioritized in the last, I would say, year and a half is just the concept of movement. I'd kind of hit like an unhealthy place with like with my body and how I viewed my body and like my self-image and a lot of things as it pertains to that and it was also really affecting my mental health Mm -hmm. and I was doing a lot of negative self-talk and not really loving myself the way I feel like I am on the journey of loving myself Mm -hmm. now um and I think I just started prioritizing movement Mm. Um, love that. So I it started with like walks. Mm-hmm. It started with um, listening. I love music. I love exploring music. Going on long walks around my then apartment complex, um, and going to the park and going on walks. I started running the B bikes and mm-hmm. going on bike rides at Centennial. Yes. And then I started kind of craving more movement, and I was like, I want to be challenged because mm-hmm. I feel like I am a learner, and again, I'm curious, um, and. Uh, I don't know if this is like a plug for CrossFit by any means, but it's part of just, it is part of what I'm doing and what I'm doing. I've recommitted in the last three weeks mm-hmm. to myself and I've already noticed a difference in three weeks awesome. recommitting myself. Cause I kind of hit like a little like around the holidays. Um, but learning how to lift heavy shit. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Um, it feels good. And like, it's like outside of work. It's for me. Mm-hmm. I feel like I go, I go by myself. I, I'm friendly enough to people there. I'll be so honest. I feel like I'm always on or if I'm not on, I'm always willing to like strike a conversation mm-hmm. with someone. I kind of view that time as sacred mm-hmm. that like, I don't have to engage in a lot of small talk. Yeah. I'm there to like learn a technique. I'm yeah. there to like lift something. I'm there Smooth. to sweat and get and let out frustration. Yeah. Um, let go of my thoughts a little bit. And, um, I think just the concept of movement, right? So even if it's not that, but other ways that I can move my body and mm-hmm. view it and understanding that, like, I feel like for me, at least, like so much of my mental health is connected to, to my body yeah, that's so and how I feel, how I feel when I look in the mirror, even if I feel like not everything is perfect, which I hate yeah. that word. Cause like what, what is right? Like what is perfection? But being able to love myself more and view myself as stronger. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think stronger is probably like the right word. Mm-hmm. I, I feel stronger. Yeah. 
like maybe I'm not, I, I you know, yeah, I feel stronger. I think I'm going to say, I'm going to leave on that word of just that journey of movement has allowed me to feel stronger and feel empowered. Mm-hmm. And when I can like deadlift or like lift something really heavy over my head, sometimes after class on my drive home, I'm just like, shit. Like yeah. I did that. Yeah, and like some of those amazing. movements are really technical. So not only did I lift that, but I'm also learning mm-hmm. something new or how to analyze something differently with my brain, which has been, I think, just really interesting yeah. uh, for me in the last year and a half. Um, and then something I think I want to do more of, um, I always say, like, I want to get into meditation. or But I always feel like I'm my mind's always racing mm-hmm. and I can't yeah, calm myself down enough to do it. But I think I would love to give that more of a genuine try. And then something that I really want to do, and I captured the email for this woman. Um, a friend of a friend, and, uh, a friend and I went to Flamingo Cocktail Lounge last. Uh, it was like around the holidays in December, and we stumbled across this like dance performance, like this contemporary awesome. dance performance. Oh, I remember you told me about that. Yeah. yeah, and it was so random. But I felt so inspired and mm-hmm. it was so dramatic and so sultry and yeah. sexy. And and it was just like this group of eclectic people like dancing in the bar, like putting on a show. And what was it called for anyone who might be listening and is uh, interested? I don't remember the name off the top of my head. It's, okay. it's saved in a note in my phone, but my phone's not in this room right now. Um, I don't think it's called The Movement. Is it called? The, I, I don't want to mess up the well, name. Well, if we find it, we, we will, will link it, it in the notes. Um, but I haven't reached out to them yet. I told myself that I would, um, but it's something that I keep coming back to. Mm-hmm. Like, when am I going to like, like just pull a trigger and yeah. send that email of like, hi, I'm Vilmaris and I want to audition. So Vilmaris, it has been so amazing getting to hear more about you. I learned so much about you and I feel like I know you so well. And I know that our listeners are going to learn so much from you as well. So muchísimas gracias. No de nada. I want to know if there's anything else that you want to share that I didn't ask you um, that you think would be helpful for someone out there in the universe listening to this podcast uh, that you think they need to hear. Yeah. um, In lack of better words, something I'm working on is just owning my shit. Mm. And I told that to some colleagues on uh, Monday. It was Monday two days ago. Um, today's Wednesday and I texted them and I was like I'm determined to make this week even better than last week and I want to start owning my shit Mm. Um, because I think even approaching this interview right conversation with you I was I'll be so honest I was intimidated of of like I don't know like is my story that unique or I don't know like am I a fighter like am I this am I that Um, and I think something I just want to work on so I encourage you if you're listening is, is to work on or work on the path of of owning who you are mm-hmm. um, and also accepting compliments. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially for that. us, like the women listeners out there, if you identify as such, like own those compliments, like own your greatness. I need to do the same, trust. Mm-hmm. I need to do the same. Because um, I feel like I live deflecting compliments yeah. like no or like no you are uh, like getting so weird I love that that's and so and I think real. we have to own our shit and own that that that's we, the undoing that we were talking yeah. about like the self-consciousness we gotta undo that like, anything I, I'm a work that, in progress yeah, yeah. like by no I'm saying this because I'm not mastering mm-hmm. it but I'm determined to work on that alright well let's try right now okay oh, Maris, thank you for coming on my show you are so inspirational so powerful and you are a fighter so thank you thank you i'm not thank you <laughs> <You're welcome. laughs> and um, i feel the same way about you um you have been such a light sada to me uh you know the view the listeners the viewers don't have to know it all didn't all start off rainbows and butterflies yeah no they we can just real put in there Maris <laughs> did not like me I when didn't. we first met like real talk and I knew it I read people very well I was like doing my tour my first day at, at our um organization Facts, and y'all. she had this really cute outfit on and I was like this is some serious like boss bitch energy like I was feeling it I was like mm. and I really appreciate boss bitches so I was like oh hi like da 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 my name's Sada da 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 and I was like this bitch does not like me like she barely smiled 
She looked me up and down. I can't be such a and, But I respected it. I was like, you know what? She really cares about this organization. I'm some young, young chica, some young girl coming up in here, not even from Nashville, right? Like I had to kind of like prove myself a little bit. But she was so supportive. I totally won her over. I knew I was going to. Like... Pretty immediately, can I say? Okay. Pretty no, pretty immediately. I definitely was just sort of like, who is she? Yeah. Um, which is a whole other conversation as the context as to why it's not Casada's not amazing. It was just because of other factors. Um, but then she immediately like started inviting me to things and welcoming me to her circle, to her friends who have also been such a gift to me. Thank you. Um, and providing different perspectives and just experiences and um. Sada, you've been just like my my hype woman. Oh, like thank you. I think so much of maybe of of the shifts that I've experienced in the last year is in part of having like you to like talk to about these things or being in doubt and you lifting me up. Like you can't like I, I sometimes feel like I I don't even re- uh, reciprocate that to the degree you that do. you you do that for me. So just thank you. Thanks for having me on your podcast of on course. the She Love Podcast. But. Um, Thank you for your friendship and your presence in my life because you are a light thank and you. I hope that this continues no matter where our journeys take us. Oh, so, thank you so much. I I Always end you. with a hug. Yes, I love And you. shout out to all the female friendships out there. I truly That's believe right. a good female friendship can change your life. And if you don't have really good female friends right now, put that shit out in the universe or just come be our friend and listen to this podcast and hit us up. Because when I was in a really dark place, I know I reached out to podcasts and my friends were women across the world who didn't even know who I was. But hearing their stories really gave me the tools that I needed to lift myself up. So there's always a beautiful, incredible woman out there sharing her story. You just got to find her. And so I know that you've been that for us tonight, Vin Maris. So thank you again. And goodbye. We'll see y'all for the next episode. Bye, y'all.